As an industry, we've been witness to incredible achievements made by some of the most acclaimed names in the industry. But as established names rise to the top, new, inexperienced voices step up to make their voices heard. Welcome to Dev Diary Next Gen, the Dev Diary spin-off series that highlights the next generation of talent coming through in the games industry. My name is Paul James, and today I'm joined by Alex Murphy, and here's his journey so far. This episode of Dev Diary Next Gen has been available for a little while now on the Dev Diary Podcast Patreon feed. So please check out the show notes, get all the details there, consider throwing a few bucks for the price of a coffee, one for the entire month. You will get access to Dev Diary Next Gen the moment it goes live, as well as early access to the normal episodes of the show as well, whenever possible. So go check out the Patreon, consider pledging a little bit of support, you'll help grow the show even further. I really appreciate it and enjoy the show. Welcome back to this, the fourth entry of Dev Diary Next Gen. My name is Paul James. Today, I'm joined by Alex Murphy. How are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. How are you? Very, very well. It's good to have you aboard. Uh, it's obviously a very exciting time with with all that's going on with the smart program at the moment, and we'll um, we'll dive into all of that shortly. But it's yeah, it's great to have you on board. Yeah, it's great to be here. Um, got a few little kind of tip-offs from you in terms of some little key key notes that we can hit uh, prior to the show. So I'm looking forward to exploring some of those with you, including including the Canberra scene and and a teaching background as well. So looking forward to wading through all of that with you shortly. But before we get to all that, I'd love to explore a time before, I guess, any endeavours within the actual game development scene, either on the teaching side or even you know now the the more active pursuit currently. Um, and I guess focus on a purely consumerist sort of approach. Um, some of your first gaming experiences do you recall where where it all began for you what some of the first games were that you played potentially even what the first game was that you played um oh i got a flashback a while the very first is always a hard one to kind of nail down so i don't blame you if you don't if, you, if that's a bit of a struggle but um well the first console i ever had was a a wii back in a while ago yep uh so i think it was like a Lego Star Wars game. It was the first one I ever played. Oh, yeah. yeah, there. I mean, there's been quite a few really cool Lego Star Wars games over the journey. Yeah, and like I've never seen Star Wars either, so that's my only oh. only knowledge about Star Wars is playing those Lego games. So how I guess having I presume developed a bit of a love for the Lego Star Wars game. How did how's it been that you've never actually seen the the source material, the film based content? Um, I played the Lego games and I was satisfied with that. Just, yeah, <laughs> got my feel. Yeah, it's fun. And then, uh, a whole bunch of my mates were super into Star Wars, and they'd talk about how you know the original three are peaks of cinema, how they are absolute masterpieces, and the prequel three are awful and should Less never be touched so. and should never be made. Yeah, look, there's there's always a little bit of a historical sort of. Um, lens we can put over that because I'm sure there's a lot of those people myself kind of included but I was also a dumb kid at the time um, that walked out of that movie The Phantom Menace the first time going that was great I loved that and then I think as it sat longer and longer you came to realise and start to identify the flaws in it so yeah standing started to it started to lose a little bit of sway there but hearing that it's like alright maybe I'll just watch the first three and then The Force Awakens came out and all of a sudden, the prequel trilogy were masters of cinema, absolute peak movies, and uh, are the best of the best. I'm like, well, I can't trust anything you say now. Look, the the Star Wars fandom can be pretty fickle, and um, 
Oh, geez, I don't know how how harshly I go here. I'll, I'll I'll refrain from being too harsh, but uh, can be. I don't think they know what they want at the end of the day. <laughs> if, if we if we keep it really simple. Oh, great! We're looking for a change of pace for the Last Jedi, but no, we don't like it because now look what happened with Rise. Of... Oh, yeah, they, they don't know what they're talking about. So anyway, um, how did your how did your taste in games evolve from there? So you got your you kind of wet uh, wet your lips a little bit with Lego Star Wars, but then how did how did things develop from there with any particular games, genres, franchises that really clicked with you? Um, the next one that really clicked with me was one I was playing last night in Minecraft. Yeah, right. Um, you know, I started playing that, like, the day it got a full release and out of beta. Yeah, right, okay. And, yeah, it just... I always find you know at least once a year pick it up for at least three weeks and then you know don't sleep for a while and how long uh, ago was that at this point i like i feel like minecraft's been there for, forever at this point it hasn't obviously but it just it feels like it's been so long when did it first come out of beta how old would you have been then uh i would think i would have been about nine or ten yeah okay oh yeah 2011 2011 same is that would yeah that be right yeah i was about 10 then thanks yeah. wikipedia <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I guess a very, very good age to find yourself immersed in a game like that as well. Yeah. What was it about it that really captivated you? Was that just kind of boundless creativity that was available through the through the platform? Or I guess, yeah, yeah, what so was it that really struck a chord with you? Uh, I didn't really have that much uh, interest or, or, I don't know, exposure to many games. So with Minecraft, with it being you know a little bit of everything with... You know some of the, some of the online multiplayer stuff. It's like, oh, I don't really need any other games right now. Yeah. Then I got older, um, got some more consoles, got some more games, and uh, then I think Skyrim became oh, my most played yeah, game okay. for a while. I think it still is. Yeah, those who fell down the well on Skyrim fell hard, and for a very, very long time, I did. It was just there was it was just a beautiful circumstance that I had something else to review in that window, so I had to move on, and it meant that I didn't lose hundreds and hundreds of hours of my life to it. Just just quite a few dozen. Yeah, I haven't touched it in two years, and I still think it's my most played game. I mean, in two years, it's. <laughs> It's been been twelve already, so yeah, you've had a good ten years of putting time behind Skyrim. Then, so I, I don't doubt that in the slightest. Unless there's an MMO that you've been sticking your teeth into along the along the way, but it's there'll be some pretty impressive hours, I'm sure. Um, and so, how did it go from the enjoyment and pure kind of consumer sort of focus of playing video games to actually considering? developing them at some point now i guess there's a bit of a through line with both minecraft and skyrim that i mean you did you say you were playing skyrim on console or was that more of a pc endeavor? Uh, it was both so obviously the pc side then there's there's the modding scene available minecraft at its core is about creation and those sort of things was were any of those games particularly influential in the decision for you to not only enjoy the playing of video games but actually going on to potentially create them um oh how was there something to get into it? Or was there was there something else? Was it just a combination of years of love of games that you thought you just wanted to make? Uh, so there was a I did a school holiday course for the AIE, and I saw Minecraft on it, and so yep. I did that. It was like making a texture pack, 
It's just like getting into the Minecraft files, changing the uh, changing the images, and just making your own texture pack. I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. And then the next school holidays, I did another course with them. I think it was like a, a movie making thing, also in Minecraft. And then I did another thing in Unity, and then a modeling holiday course, and then it just kept going and going and going. And how old would you have been when these courses were first popping up for you? Obviously, you said during school holidays, so you're still of a school age at that at that point. I think I was about twelve or so. Yeah. Okay. Good. So you really, yeah, really got into it early. Yeah. And so, the through the exposure of those those little holiday courses, did that encourage you to then like? Did you find yourself doing a lot of just work on your own during you know during school terms when you weren't working hard at school? Of course. Um, uh, were you then? doing a little bit behind the scenes at home, making some of your own content at that point, or? Um, not really. I saw they were holiday courses, was like, cool, and then kind of left it at that. Yeah, right. But anytime there was like a 3D modeling course, like a elective at school, I'd be doing that. Oh, cool. Um, there was a... Yeah, yeah. So during like high school, we started using um, Autodesk Maya, oh, uh, yeah. a modeling tool. Uh the V modeling software. Uh, it's the only one I use. I hate using Blender. Yeah, and there's still a lot of people to this day that still swear by Maya, so I, I don't blame you there. <laughs> um, and yeah, I first started using it, and then it's like, oh, I, I was bad at it, but I couldn't put it down. Um, you know, I, I always liked drawing, but I was really bad at it. But Maya took care of the perspective and... I could get all the shapes I want. So it's really cool to do. Uh, when I first started using it and I, I first was able to use it at home, I just, I just, I wouldn't do other subjects. Yeah, right. Um, I'd be talking about it with my friends and I'd be talking about it in such a way they thought I got a girlfriend. It's like, no, 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 guys. It's just a computer program. Calm down. Some awkward conversations, I assume, spinning off that as the, as they start asking these questions and realize that you are talking about a piece of software. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you know, I just sat up all night and like I barely got any rest, but like it was really fun. And they're like, Dan, we didn't know you and you and Maya were like that. I'm like, what's up? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, did you did any of those friends kind of come along with you? I mean, were there any others that were finding? they shared those interests with you once once they realized that Maya wasn't in fact a girlfriend and was actually a piece of software um but w w was anyone really kind of making those discoveries and starting to immerse themselves in the same space or was it pretty much you on your own for a while there uh so a couple of my friends were also getting into this kind of stuff they thought yeah I want to do 3d modeling as well or I want to do programming or I want to do some like game design or pixel art uh, and so we all kind of stuck together and did that stuff uh, and then when we went from like year 10 to year 11 and 12, we all ramped up a little bit, but those guys were always doing it as like a hobby yeah. as something that would be fun to do. But I was the only guy that was like, Oh no, this all is in. like my career It's like, I can, people actually make video games and I want to do that. And I guess you kind of had that context having and perspective having had these opportunities from such a from a much earlier age there to immerse yourself in things like the AIE and those sort of programs that are already established. And I guess it's a it's a far cry from those who might have even come through the system, say even ten years before you, still like you know earlier two thousands where that sort of infrastructure just wasn't quite in place yet, and certainly there was still that very old school mentality that was 
video games are made in Japan and America and Europe. They don't happen here. Whereas you've been able to come through at a point where that, like the the understanding is that video games can kind of be made anywhere, and that we do in fact have the support systems in place around Australia, full stop, that will unlock that for you. So, pretty yeah. fortunate in that sense. But um, from there, so obviously you finished up school and you were you had the this is going to be my career sort of approach. Has that been the the natural consistent pathway since, or have there been some little bumps on the road? Obviously, uh, li- linking kind of into the teaching side of things, you've been doing a bit of teaching there at the AIE as well. Um, so, how do we get from the completion of school and the interest in developing games to where we stand? I guess pretty close to today. Um, yeah. So when I was in about, I think it was year ten, I did work experience uh, at the AIE. Yep. where it's just like you come in you try a little bit of everything it's like yeah this is cool uh, and then similar kind of deal did a certificate too in year 11 or 12 and then it's like oh no I'm going to the AIE to be a full time student and yeah I went there uh, after I finished year 12 I went there did their two year course um, I wasn't satisfied with uh, well, I did the art course, and the AIE art course is split between games and film. Yeah, uh, right. So you can make games, you can make like VFX stuff. I wasn't satisfied with either, so because it like, wasn't major... just, they just neither were quite your lane. Is that? Yeah, it just yeah. wasn't like enough. I guess. Yeah. The, okay. the the structure of the film course was what I wanted, but the content I wanted from games, and so. I had to talk with some teachers. I'm like, hey, I know this is crazy, but what if I do both uh, at the same time? And no one recommended it, but I did it anyway. Uh, <laughs> some of the best stories come from that approach, though, I'll be fair. And yeah, so I had to really work on uh, two extremes in a mobile game where the poly count is in the small thousands. And a VFX film, which the poly count is in the small millions. Um, and from there, working on those two extremes, I got a variety of skills. And after I finished up study at AIE, I started working at a place called Game Plus. Yep. Um, it's a really cool co-working space with, I think in Canberra we've got, because uh, I'm from Canberra originally, uh, I think we've got like five studios and then half a dozen freelancers six studios and half a dozen freelancers including myself and is that kind of a bit more of a hot desk situation for for those sort of people in yourself yeah Yeah. so i got like a hot desk for a bit so i was in most days of the week uh but i'd have to leave uh early uh before midday so i could go to my after school care job oh yeah okay Um, I suppose, yeah, the money's got to keep coming in, right? Got to get some money. Eventually, I started talking with some of my classmates from my AIE days, and they were doing, like, the the game development business management side of thing. So they were making their own company. They were doing a course to make their own company. So I helped out with them um, for a bit. Sorry, helped out out as in, um, because obviously you're doing a bit of hot desk stuff at the time, you got other employment, as in you were just kind of, I guess, tailing tailing off them and what they were doing or did you jump um, jump in for so yeah I, guess? Uh, I was gonna be one of the artists on the project yeah so as part of the making their own company they had to make their own game uh, 
and I was going to be one of the artists on the game. Right. Um, and also just helping make decisions on stuff because uh, they they kind of kind of got themselves stuck in analysis paralysis. Yeah, it can plague us all at times. <laughs> um, that didn't really end up going anywhere. Um, yeah, right. Some stuff happened and uh, they didn't end up won't end up being able to complete the course. Uh, so I got out of this like little side office area back into the main bullpen area and just kept working on my own stuff. Uh, I got talking with a whole bunch of people, made a whole bunch of connections. Uh, I started after talking with a whole bunch of people, they were like, yeah, man, you should like apply to AIE. So you don't have to like leave at midday. Uh, if you apply to AIE, like it's right, it's right there. It's like two seconds away. Um, I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, got a job at AIE, started teaching certificate courses, uh, and then a whole bunch of stuff started ramping up. Uh, I got employed by one of the, uh, one of the studios there for a couple of weeks. That was really fun. Awesome. Um, um and I guess for, for context, cause we did, we did touch on the fact that obviously there was five or six different studios kind of in that same open space, plus the hot test situation for, for context, for those listening, um, who were some of those studios or what were some of those studios that were kind of based in there at the time? Slash um, kind of still are the the ones that are in there now are Kite Shield, Kite Shield yep. Studios, Kite Shield Interactive. Uh, they're releasing a game called they're making a game called Mooncorp, Mooncorp Tower Defense. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of people from Upsurge. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yep. We've got like f- I think two or three people that have rented out their own like office and they're in there pretty yeah, consistently. Cool. Um, there's Silver Sun. I think they're called Silver Flame now. They're like a VFX house. Yep. Um, Apollyon. Apollyon Studios. They're making a game called Ascending Inferno, and they got a Steam page for that game yesterday. Oh, good timing for them. Uh, we'll make sure to. I'll make sure to pop those details in the notes. Yeah. Uh, Apollyon's game Ascending Inferno has also been accepted to exhibit at PAX. Oh, that's Which awesome is, as well. Cool. Yeah, first game from Canberra to exhibit at PAX. Is it the first? Really? Pretty sure it's the first. Jeez, I figured I figured there must have been something over the journey. I guess maybe because I've definitely had people from Canberra on the show on the core show in the past. So maybe maybe it's just a case of they weren't actually kind of based out of there at the time, or they weren't kind of associated with that kind of space, and so the the Canberra tag didn't quite fit because it was a bit more of a diverse located team. I don't know. Yeah, it could be one of those sort of scenarios. It is 2023 after all. <laughs> lots, of, lots of people all over the place working on games these days. Um, yeah, that's. I guess it's a it's a pretty cool environment that you found yourself in, and uh, yeah, fantastic for some of the some of the teams there with some of the successes they're having, and and of course, really good for you to be surrounded by those sorts of people then as well, and for them to afford you that advice and suggestion that hey, you know, AIE might be a good idea, allows you to t- do your teaching. There's the employment situation and the financial situation, hopefully sorted, um, and unlocks more time for you to to chase this dream yeah um i owe a lot to everyone in game plus while the canberra game dev space isn't very big uh we're really really tight-knit and really really supportive of each other so i i owe a lot to everyone in in the game plus space that's that's really really cool and um certainly something that if for anyone listening is kind of not on the radar especially if you're up that neck of the woods there's there's an option there for you because 
Uh, we've you know we've highlighted plenty of different spots across you know Melbourne, things like the Arcade, but uh, spots around Queensland. There's a big hub starting to pop up in the Gold Coast and other pockets around the country as well. But um, we've not had too many opportunities to discuss that Cam- the Canberra area there. So thanks so much for sharing that little nugget of information for the listeners as well. Um, and so obviously you're doing your teaching, you're working there out of the Arcade as we start shifting towards uh, the program that you are so fortunately um, found yourself in at the moment. Uh, I guess, how did that come about for you in the first place? Uh, Yeah. Um, It was a bit hectic. Uh, I saw a post about it in a little Game Plus Discord. Someone posted a link. And I had a look at it and was like, oh, you know, this is actually really, really cool. I've been wanting something like this for a really long time, but I don't live in Victoria. Yep. What if I just send an email saying like, "Hey, I don't live in Victoria, but I can relocate. a lot of my <laughs> I can relocate. A lot of my stuff is online, and you know I'm willing to apply for stuff down there." And I got an email back saying like, "I guess, sure." <laughs> it's a very non-committal answer. Um, I was like, "Okay, well, if I'm going to apply to this thing, I need to make it the best of the best, as good as I can be." So I wrote up my application. Uh, I was writing it up like while I was teaching as well. Yep. Whilst my students were just working on their stuff, I was like writing away like a little draft. Um, and then I approached um, some of the community managers of Game Plus and uh, the CEO of Kite Shield. It's like, hey, uh, to make this application really, really good, I'm going to make a video can you guys uh, help out and be in it? And they all said, yes, absolutely. Um, And yeah, so even getting into the smart program, I owe a lot of it to to the people at Game Plus. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, certainly great to be able to, I mean, a lot of people will leverage uh, referees and those sorts of things around them, but it is usually in written form, let alone let alone going the whole hog and getting some some sort of video testimonies. I guess what was what made up the the video package you put together in the end, outside of those little yeah video testimonies, I guess. Um, it was just like a, a video format of the application. Oh yeah, okay. Of me kind of addressing some of the the application questions, uh, and then uh, all of the video testimonies testimonies being about like you know um. Am I a good worker? Uh, when I worked for you, uh, was I a good employee? And like, what do you think I would do with an opportunity like this? And uh, it might have been because I was pointing a camera at them, but they all had really good things to say, which was really nice. I mean, at least that's all you were pointing at them to get the positive comments, right? <laughs> uh, my, yeah, my lawyer has advised me not to. Ask that question. <laughs> yeah, no comment. No comment. <laughs> I plead the fifth. <laughs> But um, I mean that, that's that's fantastic. And so um, as, as we as we speak, you've you've relocated down here to Victoria, and um, the the program is the program's underway at this point. I believe it's about two days a week that you're you're in with Samurai Punk. Yeah, yeah. So I'm in there uh, every Monday and Wednesday, uh, which the Monday is a bit unfortunate because one of the studios has a four day work week and they're not in there Mondays. Oh, of course, yeah. Which is ah. Oh, actually, which... um. Which studio would that be at the moment? I think that's uh, Summerfall. Yeah, right. Yeah, of course. Yeah, if, if I'm allowed to yeah, say that. No, no, you're right. No, no, they are based out of there, and um, they do. They yeah, they've been moving to the four day work week pretty recently. I've been speaking to Meredith and a few people over there about it um, just lately, and 
I feel like it's an, it's an interesting and interesting time for them to to pivot their their working model given that they are weeks yeah, away from August. the launch at this particular point. But uh, yeah, if it works, go for it. As far as I'm concerned, yeah. First hearing that was absolutely like mind blowing to me because uh, Game Plus Canberra it's 24 hour access, seven days a week. If you want in, you're in. Uh, and so a lot of us were really really using that. Yeah, you take full advantage, throw the kitchen sink at it. Yeah, so a couple of my mates were working six or seven days a week, getting up to 14-hour days. Ooh. Um, there was a point in time where I was showing up at 9 a.m. and leaving at 2 a.m. to show up again at 9 a.m. And do it all over again do it all over again so and look, it's, it's the- easy to see why when when you tell stories like that it's easy to see why some some studios will understandably uh work to try and cap the hours a little bit and and look yeah. after their employees because as much as oh geez now just now, now i feel like i'm preaching um but i guess as much as you're able to crunch those sorts of things uh and those those sorts of hours now eventually there's a point where it starts to to wear you a bit thin and becomes a little less sustainable so I mean, um, we each we each say to ourselves, you know, oh, it's just until we get funding. You know, yeah, once okay. we get funding, we'll go to like a nine to five hour day. We'll get paid for it, and it'll be fine. And then funding comes across. Not much changes. So yeah, hearing that, you know, two days a week, ten to six, someone's in four days a week. Uh, a studio's only doing a four day work week. It's like, I mean, I didn't think this was possible. Yeah, it's it's pretty impressive what they've been able to put together and uh i mean i guess i hope that the 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 launch for them actually goes you know well in the end um by by the time i think this goes live we'll, we'll probably have a pretty good sense for that but um it's yeah uh it's certainly interesting to see the the model in play and hopefully it works for them and we hear a little bit more about it in other spots around the globe as well more and more studios trying to embrace it but of very different scales which kind of makes the, the degrees of success vary a little bit i presume but uh fascinating one nonetheless um and so what do you i guess because you yeah you partnered with samurai punk but you've got these other studios there around you lots of experts uh some amazing talent uh what are you try, uh, trying to personally gain out of out of your time through this smart program because there's obviously so many talented people from so many different disciplines uh all in that same sort of area yeah Anything so you're currently particularly trying to get currently i'm just trying to to network get my name out there um, so I mainly focus in character art. So yes. for a couple of years, it's just been, you know, uh, characters, characters, characters. Uh, it got to a point in Canberra where, like, if a character needs to be made, most people would be pointed towards You're me. You're the guy. Um, yeah, so just getting my name out there um, and hopefully getting, like, a similar sort of reputation not being the character guy in Melbourne because there's a lot more people here, way more it's, people yeah, here. Yeah, it's, it's a lot bigger. Um, um, but getting the the reputation that, you know, I'm a hard worker and can, you know, get the job done. Um, yeah, and then hopefully going from, you know, two days a week somewhere to five days a week somewhere and going full-time. Yeah, that, that'd be awesome. Um, and obviously, uh, as I touched on, there's, there's so many different people with different disciplines there now. As you've kind of said, you're the you're the character guy a little bit. Is there some hope that you'll be able to glean a few different skills off other people there and kind of broaden that that skill set a little bit as well? And is there anything in particular that you'd really like to be able to develop? Uh, it's just more about like game art stuff. Yeah. Um, 
working with uh, a whole bunch of people in game plus a whole bunch of artists there as well and hearing some things about like optimizing an engine some tricks in blender to make something work a certain way uh just looking over someone's shoulder and seeing how they do lighting so there isn't any like intent to to what i want to know but i know you have to be a sponge and pick up as much as you can just uh yeah just being a sponge and absorbing as much as i can no that's that's awesome and so as as we start to wind things down i guess uh, i guess taking away a little bit from the, the smart program and more the the professional i guess pathways that you're pursuing and focus a little bit more in on you specifically is there anyone out there that really inspires you and the the work that you do so i mean again you know being a character guy is there someone that you've kind of looked at and gone like that's a you know the way they design their you know characters is kind of a pathway that i guess you really appreciate and and respect and want to go down as well or is it really a kind of combination of lots of different inspirations over the years uh so the main inspiration for me and kind of the reason i got into character art in general uh was because of a guy called Raphael grassetti oh yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, just only recently left santa monica yeah to start something at netflix netflix yeah um yeah so just seeing his character art and seeing like on his his art station his portfolio that he had a hand in like everything um it was really really cool to see and you know seeing that it was just i didn't know people did that i didn't know that was possible he's an amazing Um, talent yeah he's really incredible um so yeah he was the main guy that really got me started off um there was uh in canberra there was a guy called uh caesar caesar brandau yep um he's moved on to the gold coast now but he was also like a really really huge cool character artist uh i think he he works full-time at aie yes but he um i think he worked on the diablo remake for a couple of the resurrected the diablo 2 diablo 2 one yeah i think so very nice Um, yeah so those two are like my main inspirations Uh, i mean the incredible incredibly talented people and got some great credits behind them so easy easy to see why you'd appreciate what they're doing and and try and model a little bit of what you're doing on on them at this that point uh have there been any particularly valuable lessons you've picked up along the way either things that you've learned uh on your own as you were kind of really developing the skills early days or things that you've picked up since working at aie or working at um in any of these sort of shared spaces you've i, mean, I guess the the current day is a little bit fresh and you probably haven't had too much opportunity as of yet but has there been anything that's really stuck with you that you've learned along the way um time management has been a huge one yep um working for there was a point in time where i was working part-time for about three or four studios right um so i really had to manage my time then as well uh and when i first left aie and when i was first like struggling to find any kind of work it was keeping this idea in my head that you know it's okay to slow down just don't stop because if i stop yep. probably won't be able to ever pick it up again so That's fair. maybe i can't do make some art every day maybe i have to do it once a week but once a week is better than nothing and that, that was the main thing that kept me going because once a week then became twice a week then three times then four times then back down to three then back down to two yeah it fluctuates a little bit but at least 
at least you've always got some semblance of momentum, I guess. Yeah. At least something is always happening. And uh, sometimes I didn't really want to do it. Sometimes it sucked a lot. But, yeah, it, it slowing down is infinitely better than stopping. And to be fair, sometimes in those shitty moments, that's when you can have some of the most, uh, the, the best moments of inspiration as well. So, yeah, um, you, yeah. If, if you, as you say, if you kind of stop, you'll you'll never know what opportunities you're going to miss along the way as well. Let alone let alone it being harder to pick up. So, um, fantastic philosophy there. I think uh, some lighter, I guess, more enjoyable ones as we as we wrap things up. If you could be credited for any game just retroactively add your name into the credits maybe it's because there was the, the whole experience you just adored and you wish you could have been a part of it maybe there's one game that's doing something especially well maybe it's the character art for example of a particular game that's just right on point and you, just, you look at it and just say I wish I could have done that if you could pick any one game what, what would you pick? Um, my immediate knee-jerk reaction is a bad one and that's uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Well, what makes um, it a bad one? Uh, when it had it a rough start. Re- but <laughs> Yeah, it had a really, really rough start. Uh, I love the game to bits. Um, but it had a pretty rough start. Uh, I'll, I'll, yeah, I would definitely say there's obviously some technical hurdles they had to overcome. But otherwise, I think the core of it's still pretty rock solid and continues to get better and better and better. And obviously, they've got some expansion. An expansion get oh, pretty imminent at this point. But... Um... Yeah, other than that, I'd have to say probably either of the two most recent God of Wars. Um, Again, for some of what Raph's done. Yeah, some of what Raph's done is really incredible. Ah, Fantastic choices. Um, And and I guess maybe, maybe a similar answer, but maybe not. Uh, If you could go and replay any game, strike it from your memory and get to experience everything all over again completely fresh, what game would you pick? Oh, Far Cry 3. Oh yeah, okay. Uh, I guess there's there's a few things we always think about specifically when it comes to Far Cry Three. But uh, for you, what is it about Far Cry Three that you just love to re-experience? It was my first shooter game right. ever, uh, so I was pretty bad at, uh, and I didn't, I wasn't able to appreciate the the story for exa- and the characters for exactly what they were. Yeah, uh, I still loved it to bits, and I still do. But if I had to go in completely blind and remove any game from my memory, it'd be Far Cry 3, just to... Do it all over again. Yeah, just to do it all over again. No, fantastic choice. And uh, maybe the maybe the first time that one's come up as well. Not that it's... I mean, I love Far Cry 3. I, I think it's the first time that one's come up, though. Fantastic choice. Um, well, Alex, thank you so much for coming on the show and, and sharing this journey so far and wish you nothing but the best with the, the smart program that you've embarked on and, and hopefully that all goes incredibly well for you. Uh, if people listening are keen to kind of tune into what you're up to a little bit and, and keep tabs on how your journey is progressing, is there anywhere that people could go, social media or otherwise? Uh, they could probably check out my art station. Yep. Uh, so I think it's just Alex Murphy on there. Awesome. Um, yeah, so that's where I'll be posting a lot of my a lot of my personal artworks, but anytime I'm given permission on professional stuff, that's where it'll be going fantastic so people should make sure to absolutely check that out as well and um as i said thank you so much for coming on the show so uh, this journey so far it's it's been fantastic to learn about it and i hope that it all goes well going forward yeah thank you thanks for having me and listeners sorry um and listeners as always thank you so much for listening i'll see you next time
That concludes this entry of Dev Diary Next Gen. Be sure to subscribe to this feed, share it with your friends, and give us a five-star review to help boost the show up the charts for greater exposure. If you have any people you'd like me to reach out to an interview, then please find me at Paul James Games on Twitter to help me get in touch with them. Until the next episode, however, that's Alex's story. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time.